Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edwin Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. To all my beautiful people who have tuned in to Permission to Think, I want to say thank you. I hope I add a value to your life, and may the words shared on this platform encourage you to think and draw closer to our Heavenly Father. Thank you for making our time together so special. I would love to hear from you and what God is doing in your life. If you would like to learn more about this podcast and all our upcoming events, please visit my website, erustrian.com, where you'll find blogs for each weekly podcast, latest updates and resources to help you in your journey of life, faith, and family. And today, I'm excited to announce that my latest book, Letters to My Girls, is now available on Amazon. I wrote this book for my two daughters to remember my voice, fatherly advice, and counsel for life's toughest moments. My heart is for fathers and the important role we play in our children's life. So I hope that as you read this book, it helps you and your daughter or daughters through your journey in life. Don't forget to order your copy today. And now let's give ourselves permission to think. Today, I would like to start with a little story. There was a man who enjoyed taking walks along a beautiful wooded area. Along the way, there was a little path that had beautiful flowers, roses, and tall trees. What he enjoyed most about his walks was the sound of nature and the gentle breeze that filled his heart's content. At the end of the path was a creek. This was the place where he felt most at peace. He loved the sound of water as it would soothe him and allow him to unplug from the troubles of life. He truly loved this creek. He often sat on a rock, soaked his feet, and meditated on its beauty. One day, he had an idea. He proposed in his heart to bring his five-year-old son along to share with him what he felt and experienced at the creek. One early Saturday morning, the man and his son began their trip. As they began their journey, the young boy is in awe of the beautiful colors, sounds, birds, and creatures he hears. He begins to pick up twigs, little rocks, and pebbles. He is mesmerized by the beautiful, colorful flowers that he begins to pick them one by one. His father is admonishing the boy to hurry up and not get distracted. But the little boy simply ignores his father's command. The little boy is taking his time collecting as many flowers and roses as possible. The father then becomes irritated and begins to pull the boy by the hand leading him down the wooded path with a stern hand committed to get to the creek as fast as possible. However, the little boy is only interested in nature. The father is losing his patience and begins to reprimand the boy to leave everything he picked up behind and pick up the pace so they can make it to the creek. However, the little boy is only interested in his findings. Finally, after a long day through the woods, they make it to the creek. The father is so excited to share this beautiful place with his son. As they arrive, the father is heartbroken to see that the creek is all dried up. 
The place that brought him so much joy and peace has now disappointed him. As he looks at his son, the son looks back at his father with such bewilderment. The father is crushed and the son confused. The father diminished the value of the present in anticipation for the future. This is a story for most of us in life, particularly if you're a parent. The father was adamant on his personal desire for his son. The father was more interested in arriving than enjoying the beauty found along the path. He did not enjoy the journey. He refused to appreciate the beauty his son experienced. The father was present, but absent. Absent from the moments that truly mattered. This is the great tragedy of our society. We spend more time outside and less time inside. Our topic for today is be present. Let me give you a little background on my life. This year, my wife and I will make 22 years married. We have two beautiful daughters, one who is um, 15 years old and our younger one is nine years old. And if you've been married long enough, you have definitely experienced the highs and the lows, the mountain peaks and the valleys. And through much of our marriage, we have been able to commit to a set of values that have helped us through our journey. But we have not been exempt from the trials and tribulations that come into marriage. But one of the things that we have committed ourselves to is to be present with our children, with our daughters. Our daughters are the most precious gift that has been given to us, and we want to make sure that we are wise. We want to make sure that we value them and we value our time together. But it has also come at a price. It has come with great sacrifice and understanding that our investment in our children quite often is not going to pay immediate dividends, but that later on in life, those dividends will be returned greatly to us. And so it is with this burden as a father that I have that I would like to share with you and I'd like to encourage you as a, as a, as a parent, as a father, as a mother, um, just to give ourselves some possibilities to think about where we are in life and where you are in your parenting. And so as you have probably noticed, a lot of the podcasts that I do share, a lot of the topics that I do talk about, we, I like to have a lot of questions. I like to ask a lot of questions because questions is, do um, generally make us think deeply. And that is the purpose for which I have desired to create this platform is to give ourselves permission to think deeply about the meaningful things of life, faith, and family. And so let me start by asking some few questions to get us started. Where are you in parenting? Are you frustrated? Are you tired of feeling hopeless? Are you worried about how you're going to make it? Are you feeling guilty and overwhelmed with life? Are you ashamed 
of what your children have become? Are you overworked and tired and fatigued? Are you bearing the entire weight of your family? Without any question, parenting is perhaps one of the most difficult and challenging responsibilities. Today, we see various family dynamics such as single mothers, single dads, foster parents, and two-parent households to list a few. Our society has changed in the last 20 years, but with technology, it feels like it's changing every six months. Adding insult to injury, the current state of our world doesn't make it any better. Does all this sound familiar? Unfortunately, this is the reality for many families and children. But let's look closely at what are some of the most pressing concerns for parents. Number one, financial security. Number two, food, nutritional deficiencies. Number three, shelter, housing stability. Four, not prepared for the future. Five, lack of quality time. Six, teaching and modeling moral values. Seven, social media, technology, gadgets. Eight, loneliness. Nine, lack of trust. Ten, too many activities. Now, I, I don't know in which of these ten you are currently um, going through. But if you're looking at the state of the world and everything that is going on, there is a tendency that we are overwhelmed and concerned for trying to survive or make an end to meet as everything that is happening seems to be compound and you're trying to manage your, your home and keep your kids and your children um, healthy and provide for their immediate needs. But let me share a couple of stories with you so that I can also um, perhaps encourage you to know that throughout history, throughout the history of humanity, there have always been moments that have been very, very difficult. And the people who were in those present times sometimes would often wish for previous times when things were better. Uh, optimism went out the window and looking at the present condition, sometimes it just discouraged people from wanting to move on and continue. When I was a little boy, I, I lived in a very small, poor town um, where we lacked a lot of convenience and luxuries of life. We never knew where our next meal would come from and if everyone in the family would be able to go to bed with a full stomach. Such poverty is unknown to many, but not to me. I remember my mother working hard trying to make ends meet to provide food and shelter for her three boys. I remember her, her coming home tired and exhausted and still pushing herself to spend time with, with us. We didn't have the latest fashion, but we had dignity and the assurance that our mother would never abandon us and she would do whatever was necessary to care for us. She never made excuses, and we never heard her complain or blame anyone for her living condition. Today, my mother is healthy. She is strong and a courageous woman who won't quit life and still strides for a better tomorrow. Why am I sharing this story? Because my mother was 
that single mother raising three boys. And we're all doing fine today. Maybe you're a single mother or a single father asking us how you are going to make it. Let me encourage you to live one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow, for today's toil is enough. This idea that we're constantly um, bombarded with news and with media and everything seems to be in the platform of fear and doubt, it consumes us. It consumes us because we are so focused on what we don't have than the things that really matter and do have. Quite often our children are not interested in having all the materialism that we think that they need. They are more interested in us being present, enjoying life with them. They don't think about the things that we think about. They look at their parents, at a mother or a father as the hero. They desire to just be by their side. They desire to just sit next to them or just watch a movie together or just share a conversation or just hear the words of a father or a mother say, I love you. And those words and those actions are meaningful. And we don't really place a lot of thought on the importance of spending those quality moments with our children. When I look back at everything that my mother went through trying to raise her three boys, she never ever came home complaining. She just had this resilience about her character that kept pushing us to do well in life, to become educated, to push forward and never have a victim mentality. And if you work hard, you, you're going to be fined. And the best thing for me that I've always say was that it was her faith in God that she passed on to us. And there is a story um, in the Bible that really speaks to when things have gone bad, when you have been even a victim of someone's injustice, when you've been mistreated, when you've been verbally abused, when you've been kicked out of a place and you don't know where to go or what your next meal is going to come from. I want to encourage you by letting you know that God, our Heavenly Father, is a great Father. He is a good Father. And He takes personal responsibility for His creation. And you will never lack anything in your life. There is a story in Genesis 16 that shows God's faithfulness, that he hears the cry and worry and concern for those who are in really hardship situations. God not only provides, but he gives us a promise. That story in Genesis 16 is of a woman called Hagar. She was the handmaid to Sarah and Abraham. And, Ab and God had made a promise to Sarah and Abraham about the, the promise, the seed child that was going to come. But as humans, we always have it that we have a tendency of trying to help God. And well, Sarah thought she was going to do great by um, offering the handmaid to Abraham so that in some way she thought she was helping God that the promised child would come and because Sarah couldn't have any babies, they couldn't have any children. And so Hagar comes out pregnant and then through time Sarah becomes angry and then kicks Hagar out of their house she tells her to leave and so Hagar now is pregnant she's without a house she's without any money she has without any resources and she's just crying and she's praying 
And an angel appears to her and gives her this word to say to return back to Sarah and to Abraham and to submit, but that she has received a promise that God will make a great nation out of her, the descendants of the child who she is carrying. And it's so powerful to see that at times we don't really understand the circumstances that have brought us to where we are. The decisions that we make in the past is the reflection of where we are in the present. And many times it takes courage to face those really daunting moments in life, but one must press on. As a single parent, I want you to know that God sees you and God sees your struggle and your pain. God sees the prayers. He hears your every, every prayer that you utter unto him. If you're a single dad trying to figure this out in life and you're saying, I don't know, I'm working two, three jobs. I'm running back and forth to pick up my children. I want to encourage you. You're doing an amazing job. Stay strong, stay focused. God is watching. Stay consistent. Don't lose your strength. Cry out to God. Be specific with your prayers. What kind of job are you looking for? What kind of transition are you looking to make? God allows himself to be available to you in your most difficult and challenging time. As parents, we spend a great deal of time worrying about the future and overwhelmed by the present. We can't stop stressing and living on things that have not happened yet. And as we're living this way, we're missing the most important thing, life. Life with our children. We work hard to give our children what we think they need and what we justify we didn't have growing up as if our lives growing up was so bad. Our children do not need more toys or more stuff. To be quite honest, our children do not want more material things. They just want our attention, time, and love. If I work more hours, if I get another job, if I get married, if I have more skills, if I had a better car, if I had a bigger house, if I was more attractive, if I was more intelligent, if I was more resourceful, on and on and on and on, we make these things the ifs. Ask yourself the question, do you really think that's what your children want? Are you more concerned with what you think they want or need? Your children need you. They need your attention, your love, your protection, your security, your affirmation, your laughter, your hugs. Recently, my family and I went out to this place, and I have a a niece who's about to turn two pretty soon. And I remember watching her jump on this... um, trampoline place and um, my brother who was sitting about maybe 10 feet away from her she is screaming and she's saying dada 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 as if to say look at me daddy look look and the most interesting thing is that here is this barely two-year-old little beautiful girl crying out to dada because she wants to show her daddy what she's doing And the joy that a father has is to be present in the moment, not distracted by what we don't have, not distracted by what we yet strive to do, but being present in the moment and saying, yes, baby, go ahead, daddy's watching you, yes. 
It is the most beautiful moment that a child can receive the confidence, the love, the attention from her daddy to be present. She didn't ask for anything else. She just wanted daddy to see, look, look, daddy, look what I'm doing. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever thought about it that way? Or are you concerned about how you're going to pay your next bill? Are you concerned about what decisions you're going to make? You know, quite often my daughters would say, you know, uh, we're going to go to mommy's bed. And I always wonder why they was always called mommy's bed. And um, so I remember one day I, I asked them, I said, you know, what is it that you love about being in our bed? Why, why does that, you know, why do you guys, you have your own bed. You have your own comfortable and you have everything that you need in, in your room. And, and he goes, well, daddy, being in your bed, mommy's bed, we feel safe. We feel protected. We feel, we feel at peace that we don't want to be anywhere else. And when I heard these words, I felt so moved and compelled to really understand what it is to be in the presence of your parents. What does it mean to have the love and the warmth embrace of your parents holding you? There is no other place one would rather be. There is no other place where one would rather spend the last few minutes of a long day than in the arms of mommy and daddy. Don't make it about everything else. Don't make it about what you don't have. Don't make it about justifying that you need to work two or three jobs in order for you to put your children through so many different activities. Our children do not need more activities. Our children need us to be present at home. Stop thinking that great parenting is by putting your children in so many different activities and giving them the things that you think you didn't have growing up. There, I've met so many parents, so many children that run constantly all over the place. I need to have them in soccer and ballet and music classes. I need to give them all of these things. And yet they wonder why they're so exhausted. Why they're so tired. Why they're so run down that they don't even have time for their spouses. Or they don't even have time to have a meaningful conversation or a meal at the dinner table. This is insanity to think that activities and doing all of these things outside of the house has more meaning than being present in our homes. With your permission, I would like to share with you 10 key principles to help us in our journey to be present. Number one, establish a value system. What you spend most of your time doing is what you value most. Don't go saying around that you value your family when you're never home. Don't go around saying that you're so proud of your children when you've never been present in their life. This is critical for us to understand. Unfortunately, I had to make a decision to walk out of an opportunity that I had because I knew of the time that it was going to demand from me. And I was not ready to make that lifetime commitment or that long commitment to be absent from my home 
and not be present in my daughter's lives. My daughters are important. My wife is a priority. My family means a lot to me. And because I didn't have a father growing up, I know the dire impact and the need for the father to be present. This is important to me. And I've had to make a choice that everything around my life needs to be set up so that I am at home. Family matters to me. Establish a value system that you show consistently to your family, to your children, that they value and they mean everything to you. Number two, have one meal at the table daily. Conversations at the table are critical and crucial. This is where we dig deeper to find out what our children are struggling with and what they need our help. This is when it's so important in the teenage years where you're having these meaningful conversations and you can dig deeper and and, in more meaningful questions to understand the changes that our children are going through um, as they're adolescent years and as they're reaching the young adulthood. I can't tell you how many times at our dinner table we've laughed, we've cried, we share deep, intimate moments, but our daughters love the time of a breaking bread together at the table. They set up the table. That's taking responsibility. They care for the things that we do at the table, the conversations that we're having. Have one meal at the table daily. Number three, quality time. If you have younger children, turn all devices off and find a good book you can read together, play games, um, role play. This is killing our children. All of these devices, all of this distraction, sometimes we have Disney raising our children. We're playing these movies over and over and over again. Stop. Stop. You don't know the damage we're doing to our children by just putting them in front of devices. Limit their time. Show them what self-control and discipline is. They are only going to learn from what you model. Spend quality time means even if it's 30 minutes of quality time, play a game of chess, play a game of checkers, play um, anything, do some music, some karaoke, but make sure that it's quality time. It is important. Number four, give yourself permission to feel. Give them permission to feel. Give yourself permission to feel. It's important to show our emotions to our children when we're going through difficult times. But more importantly, how we conduct and handle ourselves in those difficult moments. They remember that. When we are challenged, when we are pushed, um, when we are struggling with an area, our children see it. They see it in our faces. They hear the language. They see the body language. They see if we have a worried look. We see when we're angry. We see if we're talking about somebody. Our attitude regarding our, our work, if something bad happens. Our children are always studying how we respond to the situations. If you're angry, let your children know that you're angry, but tell them why. But don't stay angry. That's the skill that we want to teach our children. Do not spend constantly being angry at life or things. Show them how you can overcome those things. Give them strategies. Give them examples and let them know what you're planning to do in order for you to move on. It is important to understand and to give yourself permission to feel the way that you do. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't stay there. 
Number five, be present. Be present mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, intellectually. Be intentional at spending time together. Make every second special and make it count. Don't walk into your house demanding. Don't walk into your house taking your whatever happened throughout the day um, on your children or on your pets. Uh, I have a habit that I've created that I need to detox myself from the day's work before I go into my household. My children deserve my best. They deserve my attention. My children matter. I cannot take out all these things that happen at work sometimes on my family. I need to be present. Number six, homework is meaningful. Don't see homework as a drag. See it as an opportunity to help your children solve problems. Don't run away from math. Math can be fun. Math can be creative, okay? Create real life experiences where your children learn life lessons. In homework, you are communicating. In doing homework together, you're showing them how to solve problems. In homework, you can give them scenarios on how they themselves can create a problem and solve it. When we teach our children how to solve problems, they're going to have work for the rest of their lives. After all, how many problems have you identified in our society today that need some serious thinkers to solve them? Number seven, make your bed. Teach your children the importance of making their bed. The first step to teaching our children about responsibility is for them to make their own bed. Don't do it for them. Don't clean up their mess. If they make a mess, teach them how to do it, to take responsibility. This, I promise you, will transfer into adulthood. When you keep picking up your children's mess, you're going to do it as an adult. When your child is 30 years old and still cannot get their life together and is still coming to mommy and daddy to help them clean their mess, maybe the problem is not the child. Maybe it's the parent that you constantly need to feel needed and it validates you because it gives you some sort of significance and meaning in your life. When you raise your children, you then enjoy your life. You then enjoy what all the work that you've done, but teach them to make their bed first. Don't clean up their mess. Number eight, be vulnerable. It's okay for your children to see you vulnerable and for them to see you struggle at something. Let them see how you handle failure and shortcomings. Recently, I was struggling with an area of my life and during our dinner conversation, I expressed to my children how I had dropped the ball on this particular project and I felt so guilty because I felt like I compromised on something. I was downcast and, and at the table and, and, I, and I shared it with my girls and I said, girls, this is how I'm feeling. And it was, I was feeling so, so terrible about it. And what, what we decided then to do at the dinner conversation was, you know, to give them opportunities to see that as adults, we get things wrong. As adults, we don't have all the answers. And it's okay to tell children, but you know what? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to overcome this. That's what our children need to see. How is it that when our integrity or when we make a blunder, when we have a shortcoming, how are we teaching our children to overcome that, to get up, be vulnerable? It's okay. If you're saying, well, you know, I don't want to show my children that I don't have it all together. Trust me, your children already know. They're just waiting for you to actually say it and you'll be surprised 
what you can actually get from them. Number nine, model it. Our children will do what we do, not what we say. How you respond to your spouse, how you respond under pressure, how you behave when things are not going well, how you lose your temper if you're driving, how you're impatient. All these behaviors, our children are registering it. And so when you go and tell your child, hey, listen, why don't you go read a book? I've noticed that you watched a lot of TV. And all you do as an adult is watch television and be on your social media page. What right do you have then to tell your children to go read when you have not modeled that? You have no credibility. You've lost all sense of authority and you will be undermined. You cannot, we cannot tell our children to do something and yet we are not doing it. Model it. You want them to be honest? Model it. You want them to stop lying? Model it. You want them to live a life of integrity? Model it. If you want them to be kind, model it. If you want them to stop cursing, you stop cursing. If you want them to start acting and saving money and being good with the money, stop using your credit cards. Model it. Model it. This is important. Our words are meaningless if our actions do not are not aligned to what we're saying. And number 10, this is one that is extremely valuable in our home and is to pray. At the end of a long day, after your children are in bed and your house is quiet, kneel next to your child's bed and pray over them. Let them feel your presence. Let them hear your voice whispering in their ear how much you love them. Be specific in your prayers when you pray for them. Do not let a day go by where you're not praying for your children. Pray together at the dinner table. Pray together before you leave your house. Every morning before we leave, we pray over our children. We pray together. We present the day. We start the day with gratitude. We present and we welcome the day with every opportunity and blessing and gift that it has for us. We leave the house with great optimism. We leave the house with great expectation that today is going to be a wonderful day. Pray in gratitude when you come home and before you go to bed to show God how grateful you are for keeping you and protecting you throughout the day, for providing for you, for keeping you, for being a shelter and a rock in your life. These 10 simple, um, and I know that at times can be very difficult principles, are key for a journey of being present. When we are home, our children want our attention our children desire for us to be excited when we see them, to not run away, to turn the TV on, on, but to just give them a big hug and tell them, I love you. I thought about you all day. I want to let you know that you are the best thing, the gift that God has given me. And every time I come home, I come home to be with you. Those words mean so much to our children. But after you say those words, please be present with them. They've been They've been in school all day. They've been with different people all day. Let them know. Let them see that they matter when they're home. I'm going to leave you with these closing thoughts. Parenting is one of the most difficult jobs one will ever have. However, when we make it a priority to spend time with our children, 
and it becomes part of our value system, we then reap the rewards and benefits in their old age. Our investment will pay great dividends in the years to come. Our quote of the day comes from Dr. Meg Meeker. The constant pursuit of more never leads to happiness. It only leads to dissatisfaction with what we have. Till next time, my friends, remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.